0: Hey guys, and welcome to Roman Go Lightly, a podcast for creative adventurers. Hey guys, it's me, Laura. If you don't know who I am, I am the creator and editor in chief of Roman Go Lightly, this podcast that you are currently listening to. But it is also a blog filled with resources to help you lead the adventurous and creative lifestyle you crave, even if you work nine to five or if you are your own uh, creative entrepreneur. If you are an art appreciator, if you are a passport stamp collector, if you've never even hopped on a plane but really love local adventure or small adventures on the weekends, you're in the right place. Um, Today I am so so excited to share with you a episode in which I'm going to talk to our first jewelry designer of the podcast. Uh, Her name is Megan Allman and uh, it's sort of a small world because After sort of following Megan's gorgeous jewelry and all of her work on Instagram for some time I knew that she was she would be a match made in heaven for the podcast However, it turns out she also happens to live right in the neck of my woods in Pennsylvania We are literally within a stone's throw of each other and we'd never really met in real life. So um, Today, I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. She is not only just a jewelry designer, but a metalsmith educator entrepreneur Um, and so so much more so welcome Megan let's do this Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what you do Megan
1: yeah so I am a a designer and a metalsmith and that's my primary business so I make jewelry that's bold enough to make a statement but easy enough to wear every day Um, mostly because I work in steel which is an awesome metal that I just love because it's super lightweight and durable. Um, So I spend the bulk of my time running that business, and then I spend a little bit of my time doing some teaching and some coaching for other creative business owners because that's a, a second passion that I have.
0: Awesome. So can I ask how you got interested
1: in educating? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I've i always had an interest in being an educator. And so I, I went to art school, got a degree in metalsmithing. And then because I didn't know what to do with a BFA in metalsmithing, I just went, <laughs> I just went right ahead and got my MFA. I was like, I don't know what to do with one degree. Let's get two. Um, and so pretty much, you know, when you get your MFA, it kind of puts you on the path to teaching. And so I knew in my head as I was in grad school that I either wanted to become a college professor or I wanted to run my own business. And I was really fortunate in that I got a one-year statical position as a full-time assistant professor straight out of grad school. And I always say the most important thing I learned in that year was that I did not want to be a university professor. I'm so glad I learned that early. The bureaucracy, all of that stuff just wasn't for me, but I loved teaching. So I you know, was running my own business, and I was teaching adjunct here or there at the university, And I hit this point in my business where I was just, it was 2009, like I had been in business for a couple of years, the economy was a little rocky, and I just was feeling really stuck. And so I said to a friend, maybe I should go get my MBA. And she was like, that's crazy. She's like, you could teach this stuff. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I can. Um, So I started a blog you know, focus specifically on business for makers and just started teaching classes from there. And it's, it's been really great because it really, it helps me focus on my own business when sometimes I have to think about other people's problems and how do I communicate these ideas. And I get to kind of use my own business as a test laboratory for going out and teaching. And now I teach predominantly for um, the website, creativelive.com, which is just an amazing team of people um, that worked so hard to, to get these live, Free streaming classes online, so um, it's been it's been an amazing experience to work with them.
0: Awesome! So, I part of Roman Go lately that I feel like I preach over and over and over again is that if you want to lead a creative life, you are perfectly able to do that. And I think Creative Live is exactly what exactly what we're preaching about here. So, can you give us a description about more about what Creative Live does and more about your classes?
1: Yeah. So, if anyone is unfamiliar with Creative Live, you should check them out. They do live streaming classes in a number of subjects. So they break them down by channel. So they have craft and maker, which is where I teach. And I typically teach uh, business classes for crafters, makers, artists. But then they also have an art and design. They have a photography channel, which is really where they got their start and what they're known for. Um, So if you are looking for any kind of photo tips, they're really fantastic for that. Um, I think audio and video, they also cover. And just kind of, they have another channel they call money and life, which is just really about sort of all those broad aspects of living a creative life. They have classes on travel hacking, They have classes on uh, pretty much you name it. They've probably had a great instructor on there. And they're always streaming things that you can watch for free, which is amazing.
0: Awesome. I'll have to check out that creative, the travel hacking one. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I would, I love everything that they're doing. And I think it's such an incredible, it's such an awesome resource. If you're looking, if you're looking for something to learn, like Perfect example of how it's just at your fingertips if you want it.
1: Oh, exactly! And the classes, their their team, it's everything is top notch, super professional. Um, you'll be hard pressed to find better education on the web for creatives.
0: Awesome! So I'm curious, how did were you always a creative kid? Did you just naturally find yourself in the creative arts, or did you take classes? How did How did it all happen?
1: So. It- Yes to all of them. So I was really, really fortunate in that um, my mom was a painter and and also a crafter, a hobbyist. She never did any of it professionally, but she was always making and and painting and doing and crafting. And so that was always in our house. And I re- I don't ever remember like learning how to draw. I just always had a sketchbook or a paintbrush. And and then I did I did take drawing classes fairly early. I think from about the age of six. Um, I was in drawing classes because my mom knew I was interested, but then I was also, I would make beaded bracelets, I would make friendship bracelets, kind of anything I could get my hands on, um, I would do that, and so I kind of ran through, like, all the careers that I thought I w- was going to have, and then by my senior, by right before my senior year of high school, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go to school to be a painter. This is really what I, I want to do. I just want to be a painter, um, and I actually ended up doing this arts magnet program at Harrisburg Community College my senior year, and we did all these fun workshops and like glass blowing and printmaking and ceramics. And we did this workshop in jewelry where we made lost wax cast rings. And I thought, you can go to college for this. Sign me up. Um, so I ended up, it was early enough in my senior year that I was able to look for and apply to colleges specifically for their metalsmithing programs. Um, and that was how I kind of ended up where I was. So I, I know I'm super fortunate because having taught for so many years, I saw so many people who didn't discover jewelry and metals until far into their college career and of course many many other people who don't discover it until much later in life so I feel so fortunate that I was able to find it so early but it actually kind of in hindsight it makes super sense because my mom was a painter but my dad owns a machine shop that was founded by my grandfather (laughs) so really it feels like metalsmithing and art jewelry it's it's really like the perfect blend of both of my parents influences on me
0: that's beautiful that's awesome I think like, uh, well, first of all, go hack number one. Go hack because metalsmithing. Were you always someone? Were you always someone who liked like bits and bobs and jewelry, or did you think it just happened from you learning the craft at Hack?
1: No, I was always someone who liked jewelry. I actually had I I forgot about this and I found it when I was younger. I had one of those bead looms. Oh my gosh, me too. Yes, and so I was making like just bracelets and I made a lot of barrettes for some reason that you could like those big, huge, like late eighties, early nineties barrettes. Um, but then I had this recipe card box full of index cards where I was keeping track of like how long it took me to make things and how much I needed to charge for them. Um, so apparently clearly this is just like what I, (laughs) it's like how I played as a kid.
0: That's, that's, I mean, sometimes you just know, right? Right what I mean I think it, that definitely is clear clearly you were made to do what you're what, what yeah. you're made to do. Awesome. So could you give us a, a taste of your creative process when you're in the midst of making all your beautiful jewelry?
1: Yeah, so I am I have really shifted my focus the last couple of years to be fiercely protective of my studio time. Um and I'm also it's funny because I say like I would have a really hard time having a real job because like having to show up at the same place every day stresses me out. But at the same time, I'm very routine oriented. So I get up every morning and I like make my cup of tea. And I I have a very um, specific marketing task actions that I do every morning for my business because, of course, one of the realities of running a creative business is you don't just get to play in your studio all day. You actually have to run the business. And a big part of that is marketing. So I like to get up and just do all of my like email marketing, all that kind of stuff, spend an hour or two, like writing blog posts, editing photos, things like that right in the morning. And then I just spend the rest of the day in my studio um, as much as I can. It's not, it's a perfect world. It doesn't always happen. Let's be honest, but in a perfect world, I'm spending the day in my studio. And so for me, some days are really like filling orders, making things that have, you know, that I made a million times that someone orders, a store orders. You know, that's definitely part of it. But then when I'm really getting to play and design, for me the focus this last year has been on my Contra collection, which is a collection of one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry made using these really beautiful dendritic opals that I found while I was in India. I mean every stone is a hundred percent unique and I just have them all like spread out. I have this giant work table. It's actually four Ikea dining tables pushed together in the middle (laughs) of my studio because I really, I need my flat space. I'm like a piler and a layer. And so I just have all of these stones laid out all over this big table and I'm constantly like picking them up and moving them around. And some of the pieces that I'm making now involve multiple stones. So I'll spend time like, okay, this stone goes with this because even though they're all technically black and white stones, there's so much nuance and variation in the color that it's like okay these are kind of a related color palette let's see how those go together and how these shapes flow and even when I'm just working with individual stones there's a lot of does it want to be a ring does it want to be um you know a necklace does it want to go on a skinny chain does it, do I want to put it on a big fat chunky chain so there's a lot of just staring at stones and thinking about them and then eventually I make myself come to decisions and then I sit down and i build all of the structures for them so I build all the settings out of steel and um, and that's really fun because everything that I do is welded I don't solder so I weld so I get to wear I wear dark glasses and I have this really hot torch and um, sometimes it makes sparks so um, that's a really fun part of my process because I just go into my little room and put my dark glasses on and, and weld things And so yeah it's really a lot of it's kind of play for a while and then like buckle down and, and do the work to get things finished
0: It sounds like, yeah, a perfect mix of play and, like, hands on, like, you are truly getting your hands dirty when you are, like, I mean, you are, you're setting things on fire, you're like a wizard when you're in.
1: Exactly. I am absolutely, like, there, I'm, like, covered in, like, soot at the end of the day. I'm like, oh, I can tell I welded a lot today because I'm very, (laughs) I'm very dirty today.
0: Sounds like your father's side of the family would be proud, so.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely, I can tell. It's like, oh, yeah, that's in my blood, that's coming home, covered in, covered in steel dust, that's. Right up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I I love hearing about your you, these opals that you've been talking about um, from your trip to India. I when I when I look through your website, I they're so striking. They're natural, but they're bold in their size. And I I would love to hear about how your trip to India really inspired um, your collection that you're working on. Could you tell us a little bit about that trip?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That trip was just a total game changer for me. So I went um, in the fall of 2014, and it's funny because. India had never really been on my radar um, you know I had a whole list of, of countries that I wanted to travel to and and certainly I wasn't gonna say no to India but it wasn't India wasn't high on my list but then it sort of seemed like the universe was just pointing me in that direction so my sister-in-law lives there as a missionary she lives in Delhi and then I had found out about um, there's this fantastic woman named Angela Ritchie and she runs um, a program called Ritchie Ace camps and so she organizes these, Kind of creative artist camps all over the world. And so she runs one to Jaipur in India and it's um, her camp is on block printed textiles. And even though I am a metalsmith through and through and that's what I do, I do have this other love of fibers and, and textiles and actually printed textiles very much influences my work. Um, and so I thought, you know, I just saw lots of people's pictures on Instagram of of this camp the previous year and I thought, okay, you know what? this just seems like something I really, really want to do. I can go, I can visit my sister-in-law. I can, I can do this workshop in Jaipur. Um, so I went and I, and you know, the first thing that I just loved about the whole experience with India is that everything is just so decorated and, and thought out. And I just remember being there thinking like, Oh, Americans are so boring. Like we dress so boring and our homes are so boring. Uh, Everything in India is just so decorated and considered. And that really, really appeals to me. Um, And then, so I flew into Delhi, visited with my sister-in-law and then went down to Jaipur. And so most of the time we were doing these, you know, different block printed textile workshops. But then we had some spare time. And Jaipur is pretty much the gem capital of the world. Like it's a big jewelry manufacturing center. It's a big gemstone cutting center. So I thought, okay, even though I don't currently work with gemstones at the time, I wasn't setting stones at all. I just, I'm going to take an afternoon and I'm going to go gem, gemstone shopping because I'm in Jaipur. I just have to. Um, and so the very first shop I went into, me and one of the other women on the trip decided to go together. And the very first shop I went into, I found these black and white stones in my like signature kind of teardrop leaf shape. And I, I had never seen them before. I was like, what? what are these stones? I have to have them. Like they are my aesthetic just all over the place. And so just like reckless abandoned. I just, I didn't actually buy that many because I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with them. Um, but fortunately, because it's, you know, the 21st century and the internet is amazing. I was actually able to make connections with the gem dealers that I met there. So I was able to take the small batch of stones that I originally got. And since I totally addicted now. I've been able to keep buying more, Um, but just taking them back. And of course I, you know, I think of being in India and I always gravitate towards big jewelry anyway, I of course wanted like the biggest stones I could find. Um, And so I'm always on the lookout for the biggest stones. And and now when I can't find the biggest stones, I'll just, sometimes I'll just put multiple stones together in one necklace. Um, Because for me, it's, it's all about, the big bold jewelry I'm definitely that the minimal jewelry trend no no interest <laughs> no 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 disrespect to people who love it but it's so not for me um, and so I think you know being in India and seeing these women just wearing piles of bangles and tons of necklaces and um, you know that really made me think like okay it's okay to like buy all the giant stones and and layer them up and put them together and so since then I've just been You know what's funny is it actually took me a while to make the collection. I brought the stones home and I think they sat on my work table for close to six months before I really kind of got my head around how I wanted to handle the settings and and what I wanted to do with them. Because it was really important to me that I stayed true to my aesthetic. And typically, most people when they set stones, they set them with uh, sheet metal, and I work exclusively in wire. So I had to really think about like how I could incorporate the welded steel that I was already using. So it took me a while to sort of process that and and start building the collection. But once I did, I've just been kind of gung-ho for it ever since.
0: I kind of have this image of my head of you like with a Santa Claus like sack filled with like these huge like gemstones. That's I, I don't know why I just imagined that in my head. Uh, Oh, that's
1: so funny. I do have, I will say that I actually packed an extra duffel bag on my trip that got filled. Uh, (laughs) Though most of it, to be fair, was actually filled with textiles. I did quite a lot of just textile buying for fun while I was there. um, Because it's a little bit easier to, to get the gemstones. But there is... Like my everyone at my post office knows me by my first name now because of (laughs) all the all the gemstones that come in that I have to go pick up at the post office and they're like oh I have another one for you (laughs) Megan
0: you're like yep it's me again yep I'm here I'm back nice so um you you mentioned textiles um. What? where do you find yourself sourcing ideas and inspiration from when you, even before you get to the gems and before you get to like working the materials, where do you, where do you source ideas from? Is it from experiences? Is it from um, like stuff that you find? I'd, I'd really like to know some, some of the, th- the things that sort of get your gears turning.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit of everything. So, you know, I've been super inspired with buy textiles ever since I was in grad school. And so I'm actually a really big book hoarder. Um, So I have a ridiculous amount of books, Um, a lot of like interior design books, textile books, fashion books. I just love having piles of books that when I'm stuck, I can kind of go back and, and really look at that. Um, And then I also, because of that, I I tend to buy a lot of textiles. My studio is very like, parts of it are very kind of bare wall, clean space, but then Like I have a little seating area in my studio that's like pattern on pattern on pattern on pattern. Um, So I'm always just looking at different textiles wherever I can go. Um, And then for me, I'm a huge museum goer. Um, I try to get to New York as often as I can. This year I've actually been in such making mode that I haven't gotten there as often. But um, I usually keep a membership to the Met, which is actually really awesome if you're outside of New York City. They have a cheaper membership to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I think it's like 70 bucks a year, um, which is great for someone like me who is just a couple hours from New York so that if I'm in the city, I can pop into the Met for an hour or two and not feel like I just wasted all of my money. Um, So I'll go into the Met. I love to go up and see the costume exhibitions, but um, I love just having that ability to sort of pop into the Met and like wander through a section. Um, And it's funny because now that I'm have been to India once and I'm of course jonesing to go back so bad. Um, I'm always like, okay, like I need to go and figure out like, where can I find, where can I find India in my regular life? So if maybe it's like looking for textiles. I might go shopping. Um, you know, I'll go to New York and, and go to a museum or something. So I'm always kind of looking for that. Um, and, and admittedly, I'm also a huge Pinterest addict. Um, so I spend a ton of time on Pinterest just looking at every possible thing that I can find and and I have a lot of boards I also have a lot of secret boards for like things that I just want to keep on the on the down low that are like influencing me um but so I spend a lot of time there too so I'm kind of one of those people who just I need like visual information coming at me all the time from every direction it's just it's like what i create like some people are like foodie people who like always need the good food like i need the beautiful things i have to look at beautiful things all the time
0: you are you are literally the the exact replica of my grandmother who is an antique jeweler oh. and she she's the same way she she loves to be surrounded by beautiful things one thing i love that you mentioned is uh, we I, I always ask this question like what are you inspired by and i'm always waiting for someone to say museums and you're probably the first person to ever see museums. I love that. So I I am the same way. I really like the Wyeth Museum, if you've never been there. Oh, no,
1: I have multiple times. I
0: love – it's like the perfect small little space. But being in such a, a creative space where you're actually able to really visually see all these beautiful colors and patterns, and oh, I love it. But – um, yeah. and, okay, so I – you're just blowing my mind right now, so I'm just going to keep <laughs> going with this. I love that you mentioned finding India in your own – area. This is something that we talk a lot about on Rome and Go lately like how can we find the world in our own backyard? So, can you explain how you do that in uh, you know, rural Pennsylvania that we're in? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's actually finding India in in rural Pennsylvania is, is really challenging sometimes. Um, but like my my default has actually now been they just opened a home goods and I realized that like there's a lot in home goods that's like manufactured crap but every so often I'll go in and find these like little amazing like made in India things that I'm like that are legitimately like made in India and, and it's always like oh like there like, I found my little thing um, and so that's kind of one of the funny ones that I try to do but even just going to like the bookstore um, flipping through magazines when I can find it but even just looking at textiles um, and, and then worst case scenario, I will all like jump on the bus to New York and <laughs> and, he- and head to the Met or like head to ABC Home because they have a really fantastic um, jewelry selection. It's more, most more, their jewelry is a little bit more um, like Nepal and Tibet than pure India, but they've still got a lot of Indian influence happening at ABC Home. Um, so, but sometimes it's just like getting out of my house and and looking at pattern or looking at fabric or, um, it, it is hard because we don't have a lot of great shopping <laughs> in <laughs> rural Pennsylvania. Um, so I, I do what I can, but for me, it's also, um, you know, really thinking about just e- even how I incorporate it in my space. And so, um, there's this really great book, um, Sage Living, where she talks about like bringing your home, like bringing the world into your home is like one of the ideas. And so, particularly with my studio, I was like, okay, I really want to recreate like how I felt when I was in India. Um, and even to the point where I started to deconstruct like some of the the rules I gave myself when I was in India. So uh, a lot of people tried to take a lot of pictures with the group that I was with on the trip. Everyone was like camera, camera all the time. And I made this rule for myself that anytime I was in like the rickshaw or in a car, because in India, you never drive yourself. You, you always have a driver because the traffic is just chaos and you would, you you would die. So you're always riding in a car, whether it's a whether it's a rickshaw or an actual car. And so I made this rule for myself: no, no looking through a screen when I'm in the rickshaw I'm in the car. So I just had to absorb and observe everything around me. And I found myself just feeling really calm. I was in the middle of like chaotic traffic, and I found myself feeling super calm. And so I made myself kind of apply that rule when I'm traveling around the U.S. So when I'm out in San Francisco filming for Creative Live you know, I'm always in an Uber. And so I was like, okay, no phone in the Uber. I have to keep my eyes out and look at the architecture. And, and San Francisco has such amazing architecture. And I'm always, for me, it's always about like the, the decorated, you know, the ironwork and the little architectural details. Like those are the things that I really love. And those are the things you miss when you're staring at your phone, when you're in the back of an Uber. So I try to like, kind of give myself like, okay, what was it about that trip to India that made me feel so Calm and relaxed in the midst of all this chaos, and how can I do as much of that in my daily life as possible?
0: I love that, and that's something you could do even in Central Pennsylvania as exactly. well. Exactly, it's so simple. I think that, um, I mean, we we're both from Central Pennsylvania, and there is really no no trace of India blatantly like glaring no. in our faces here. But um, I similarly, I'm going through this weird French phase oh. <laughs> where I. I I like, I like the idea of being the cool French woman, the chic, you know, all that, that sort of thing. I feel like I miss that growing up. Like, the, every girl goes through a Paris phase, I guess, yep. and I'm just going through it now. But um, one of the things I've sort of challenged myself to do is to find Paris within um, the city limits. So, oh. you know, going on certain hunts for, like, different French foods or even um, I'm, we're looking at recipes to learn here at home and how can we infuse more of the world, sort of like what Sage Living is talking about in in like the small ways that we can do outside of working nine to five and doing all that fun stuff. But um, I love that. And I think that's super encouraging for, for people to hear because India is no, is by no means like, Oh look, there's an Indian restaurant in the middle of rural Pennsylvania. Wow. That does not happen.
1: Right. <laughs> but- no, it, it doesn't at all. Um, and for me, you know, it's funny because for me, again, like I said, like I'm not, I'm not a foodie so much as I am. Like I'm just an, an, a very aesthetic person. And so it's all about, like, any little visual cue I can find that, like, even if it's just for a moment, reminds me of that. Um, And and that's sort of, I'm always on the lookout for that.
0: And I'm sure you're finding that even when you're creating your jewelry or even dressing yourself, right? You find yourself dressing um, and putting on jewelry and putting on clothing that reflects some of that culture, too, when you're looking for it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I am so into, like, pattern on pattern right now. Um, Oh, power clash? Oh, yes. I'm like, so I'm so over like the minimal. I think I'm so over the minimal aesthetic. Like, and it's funny, because on one hand, some days I totally dress like that. But then on other hands, I'm like, other days, I'm like, bring on all of the pattern and like layer it up. And um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all about thinking about that when I dress too. And it is, it's kind of a tricky thing, because I did, you know, buy some really beautiful clothes in India, that it's hard to wear here, because you end up kind of looking like, a costume. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And of course, when I was in India, it was like so fun to just dress like that. Um, So it's kind of like, how can I incorporate those sort of more subtle ways into my wardrobe so I don't look like a cliche, but I still have those elements.
0: Love it. It's like balancing out Pennsylvania lifestyle with this Indian flourishing
1: exactly
0: craziness I would love to go to India you've totally talked me into it oh,
1: it was it was amazing and I and I would also like highly recommend anyone um, if you're thinking about going you know it is a place that's a little bit intimidating I think to go on your own uh, but I loved Richie Ace camps so I thought you know she does a fantastic job so I would highly recommend that
0: we'll have to, to link it's a good on the first show trip. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll link on the show notes for anyone who's interested yeah Awesome. Um, so, is there anywhere else you want to go? Anywhere else that's get, that's gonna get your wheels turning?
1: You know, there are so many places. So, I'm dying to go back to India. Um, I would really, I would love to go to Morocco. So, I have not been to the continent of Africa at all yet. So, that's I think kind of next on my on my wish list. I would, yeah, I would love to go to Morocco. But I also would actually really love to go to Kinshasa, which is the capital of the Congo. Um, I watched a show. If if you guys. If you have TV and you haven't seen it yet, there's a channel called Viceland, which is Vice's TV channel, and they did this amazing series called States of Undress with Haley Gates, and she travels around the world to different fashion weeks, but she basically uses the fashion week as an entree into exploring the like broader cultural issues of these places. So she did one um, where she went to Pakistan, she did one where she went to Palestine, um, and she did one in Kinshasa. And in the Congo, and particularly in Kinshasa, they just have this amazing culture of like dressing up like they literally dress up just to walk down the street and I was like that is so cool and amazing and I want to go there
0: (laughs) wow that sounds like a great show
1: oh it's fantastic I think I've watched every episode like 20 times and I said to my husband I was like is it weird that this is my favorite show he was like it's a show about fashion around the world he's like it would be weirder if it wasn't your favorite show
0: right if you weren't (laughs) into this we'd have a problem right awesome so um I thanks so much for doing this Megan this has been so inspiring um before we go could you one thing I love to talk about we're all about everyday creativity and local adventure so if if you could tell us your like local hidden gem what would you tell us is your favorite gem in your area?
1: Yeah, so I actually was thinking about, and I have two. Um, And so one is there's this fantastic little state park uh, near me called Swaterra State Park. And a lot of people, do you know it?
0: Yes. Okay, first of all, let it be known, listeners, that Megan and I, (laughs) we live within, like, an arm shot of each other. Like, we could, you know, (laughs) we literally are next-door neighbors, pretty much. We've never met until this podcast, which is... Fantastic, thank you internet but yeah seriously I I literally just came back from a weekend of camping not at SWAT era, but we talked about how much we love that park
1: that is amazing yeah so it's this it's just this fantastic it's fair it was a really undeveloped state park for a long time uh, and they just finally made a few improvements that they've kept it like really raw and wild but there's these great bridges in it so you can cross over the creek and these great trails and I only live like six miles away from there so it's it's a really awesome. You know, it's funny because I don't talk a lot about like going out into nature because for me, like I live in nature. I don't have to really seek it out. Um, But I I absolutely love that park. Like I love running there. I love biking there. It's just such a fantastic place to like really go and and just be by yourself. Um, So that's one of mine. But then the other one, since I am such a museum girl, um, I feel like I have to plug the Reading Museum um, because it's just it's one of those really underrated museums. That's it's about 45 minutes for me. And it's a small museum, but they get in really fantastic stuff. They had an exhibition of um costumes from film and television at one time where they had the dress that Audrey Hepburn wore in Breakfast at Tiffany's and the dress that Grace Kelly wore in rear window. And I was standing like inches from them in this tiny museum, you know, so close to me. And I was just like, I cannot believe I'm seeing these things in real life. Like it was just so that's another, I think, hidden gem that's if you're in, in central Pennsylvania, in Berks County, uh, anywhere near there, the Reading Museum is definitely one to check out.
0: Awesome. I've actually never been there, but now that's definitely on my list because I'm a huge, huge, huge Breakfast at Tiffany's fan. Yeah, unfortunately that
1: was a traveling exhibition, so it's no. not up anymore. No, I know. But I, like, I seriously almost, like, I wanted to cry with seeing it in person. That was, like, so – it was so amazing.
0: Yeah, as a, as a fashion person, as, like, someone who appreciates – all of the glamour involved with Audrey Hepburn, like, I would die to experience Uh, that. I'm so sad I miss it. But I mean, I've never even heard of the Reading Museum. So I, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's worth checking out. It's, like I said, it's small, but it's a really great, you know, it's one of those things where I have to remind my, I even have to remind myself, like, you don't always have to go to New York to see, like, great art and great objects. Like, there are actually some great museums in central Pennsylvania.
0: Awesome. You are preaching, 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 preaching. Love it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much for doing this and hopefully we'll get to meet each other face to face soon. You'll have yes. to we'll have to come meet up halfway or something.
1: Yeah, we absolutely have to make that happen. And thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. Thank you again, Megan, for all that you do. If you guys are interested in finding out more about Megan and her work, you can check out all of her stuff at www.meganallman.com. That's www.m e g a n a u M-A-N.com. She's also on Instagram. And as she mentioned before, she's a huge Pinterest fan and she has a ton, a ton, a ton of beautiful pins on Pinterest. If you look up her name on there as well. We'll also link all of her information and all the wonderful things that she mentioned in this episode on our show notes at www.romangolightly.com. Definitely make sure you check out our website. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, lock it down. Subscribe to us. So that way you never miss an episode. It also makes it easier for other creative adventures, creative adventurers to find what we do here. Um, and hopefully will help inspire more people to live a creative and adventurous life, even if you're working nine to five. So talk soon. Bye.